This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello there, and welcome to It's an S-Pod Thing the podcast revisiting every episode of S Club 7's insane TV show. I'm Sophie Davis and joining me on this journey from Miami to Spain will be a range of guests who may or may not have seen the show before. Either way, we're going to analyse it in more detail than anyone ever asked for. If you're an S Club fan like me and remember watching the show, hopefully this podcast will bring it all back to you. So, my guest on the podcast today is writer and theatre blogger Shanine Salmon. Hello. 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 So, to start with, I'd like to know what's your history with S Club 7 and have you ever seen this TV show before? Um, so, I would have been about sort of 12, 13 when they were around. So, I knew of them and I know their songs and I like some of their songs. But I don't really remember watching this at all. I think it was on my radar. Like if someone had asked me at the time who were S Club 7, I would have said, oh, they've got a show and they do songs. But I don't really think I was watching much children's television at the time, possibly because I was on that weird pre-teen, teen cusp and I might have thought I was a bit too old for S Club 7, even though I probably wasn't really. But I, I assumed I was too old for S Club 7. So, yeah. Yeah, I think they appeal to a very specific age group. And yeah, if you were like in high school or maybe a few years into high school, it was very much, yeah, that's for, that's for babies, that sort yeah, of attitude. There was, yeah, there was no one at school. I think that was like a huge fan of them. It was kind of similar to sort of Steps. Like I think Steps were aimed at like really primary school children. So I kind of knew people at school who liked Steps. And then that a few years later, it's it's amazing the difference one or two years can make in who you like as a pop star, really. But yeah, there's nothing, I don't think there's anything anti-teenage about S Club 7. It just felt very, I don't know, cartoony, I suppose. And that's why it felt like it was aimed at younger people. Yeah, definitely. So today we're talking about LA7 episode 5, which is called The News and it aired on CBBC on the 4th of May in the year 2000. So we start off with in the band's apartment, and Paul is quite sort of stressed, isn't he? He's sort of like pacing around, keeps asking Hannah how his breath smells, and like sticking his mouth in her face. Yeah, I, do you know what I found really odd about this episode? And I don't know, apologies, my, my knowledge isn't that great, but I, considering the age it was aimed at, I found it very odd that they were showing someone dating. Like, that feels like quite a sort of mature thing. Like, if I fancied a pop star, if I had been, you know, a 10, 11-year-old girl who fancied Paul, I'd immediately be turning off. I was like, I don't want to see him go on dates with this woman that he ends up with. So, yeah, that seems to be kind of the main storyline. Yeah, I was thinking about this because... I think LA7 so far from what I've seen is a lot kind of hornier than Miami 7 because in the initial series it was almost like they were sort of children and now in this second series they're suddenly like they've hit adolescence or something. Yes, it's a very teenage approach to dating. Like it's kind of wholesome, but you're like, 
in the situation they're in, which is they're this struggling band, like, where is he going out to meet women? Like, what, <laughs> they don't, you know, you don't really see them drinking. You don't see them doing adult things. It's all how I imagine, how I probably would have imagined at about 11, 12, how I imagined adults live their life, but actually you don't live your life like that. It's all very, like, out all the time, but also quite restrained as well yeah it's it's all very innocent yeah it's all very innocent they use words like snog a lot and wherever whenever they're in this cafe they always seem to be drinking these like bright red drinks where I think normally they would probably be drinking like cocktails or something but they've just got sort of like fizzy pop yeah it's kind of odd because there's obviously they're that obviously they're adults and they've gone out there by themselves but there's something semi as you said adolescence childlike about it kind of you know lord of the flies but they've been sent off to la to just spend for themselves <laughs> but yeah there's not much so yeah it's yeah it's him me you know being very excited about going on a date really but i just how it comes about i found very strange and just the idea of them seeing anyone who wasn't part of the s club seven is a bit strange in that scenario yeah i like how he asks them all how he looks and they're all like fine and i mean they're pretty wrong because he's wearing like really baggy jeans like a white shirt he's got a jacket in that sort of material where it sort of makes a little squeaky noise when you move that was quite irritating me when i was watching it the other day (laughs) and he's got his hair all spiked up and they're all and i like how later on he's wearing a suit isn't he and that's supposed to be like a big downgrade but I thought he kind of looked a bit better in the suit to be honest in my notes I was like he looks great in the suit I mean he looks at the clothing he's wearing is very 2000s and very much the sort of clothing you would expect a man of that age in that climate to be wearing but yeah there's the sense of like oh he meets he wears the suit to impress the the new woman and you're like yeah he looks good that's how he should kind of be dressing really because he looks nice so yeah it's that again it's that sort of weird adolescence thing of you know if you're wearing a suit you're a boring adult and they have this idea of what uh what an adult dress is like and to be honest paul is not really dressing like however old he i mean he's one of the older ones isn't he he's probably about mm. like 23 22 something like that yeah so he's he's not dressing inappropriately but for them to kind of be impressed by it that's the sort of thing you'd be impressed by if you're a child not a fellow adult yeah definitely so he's nervous because he's going on a date with someone called linda and the rest of the band are being quite sort of childish about it and kind of going like "Ooh," and like oh what's so special about linda and paul says uh, that he likes her because she's a (laughs) grown-up And it turns out she's a newsreader and John cracks a little joke and is like, oh, I didn't buy a paper this morning, so maybe she can come over and run over the headlines with me, which sounds like a sort of innuendo, but I don't think it's supposed to be. No, it just it's, um, it feels weird people talking about, young people talking about reading a newspaper as well from my sort yeah. of 2020 point of view it's like well why don't you just go online and then you remember it's <laughs> the early 2000s and that wasn't that common then but yeah it's yeah the grown-up thing as well like she's not like is she older than him is you know what is the kind of dynamic is it it feels a bit weird really for him to talk about a woman in that term yeah and we don't get much backstory we don't know where he's sort of found this newsreader woman but the doorbell rings Paul freaks out and he sort of he composes himself by sort of like smoothing his hair down and he does a little sort of eyebrow wiggle like he's in the t-birds or something it's very (laughs) odd 
<laughs> it's very that's what you do in sitcom dating you sort of you really play it up that you've somehow without much explanation got a date with a grown-up woman yeah and joe brings her in and joe's looking really grumpy for some reason they all seem to just automatically hate linda and i know there is you know there is a reason to not like her later on but it seems like they're all just really like hating her from the very beginning <laughs> Yeah, and it kind of this sense of it's weird to me because seeing it from I saw I sort of watched early episodes and watched this and there didn't seem to me be much of a development in terms of their relationship. Like you go in from the beginning and they're already formed, you don't see that kind of developing. So for her and all of them to be quite, oh, we're very protective of him, but there's no sense of closeness. It's purely just seven people who've been thrown together, and there just isn't time. There just isn't time to build that sort of dynamic of this is what I actually get on there's no sense of that it's purely they've got a job to do and if anyone comes in as you kind of see later if anyone comes in there might be a risk that one of them leaves the S club because this grown-up person will think this whole endeavor is a bit ridiculous and it kind of is I think if I met someone who told me they were in like a girl boy band I would run a mile like that's not (laughs) With six other people. With six other people, yeah. This isn't going to work. They're not going to become a success and they're not going to make any money. So you're on Linda's side in this I'm on, episode. Yeah, I'm team Linda in this, in this episode. <laughs> so as she walks in, we get this sort of like news bulletin sort of music, which is a recurring thing whenever she shows up. I don't know if this is sort of for the soundtrack or if this is genuinely happening in their world. Like when she walks in, they just hear this music and she's all kind of like, Good evening. I'm Linda Lewis. Um, this is her whole thing that she basically talks like a newsreader the whole time. Yeah, and she talks like an American newsreader. And as much as I get that kind of reference now, having watched lots of CNN and things, um, would would a primary school age child have been exposed to that kind of stereotype? of an American newsreader and I kind of go, is this working as a joke? Because it's not really, it's not similar in the sense of when you see British news. And again, how many children at that point, you still had news around, like that might have been their expose <laughs> to news at that point. So yeah, it's a really odd thing to focus on. And I think on the other hand, so aimed primarily at British viewers, but of course I think it was shown in America as well. So that would have been the joke to keep the Americans happy, maybe. Yeah, there's another sort of American reference later on that I'll mention when it comes up. But yeah, that confused me as well. But um, she's quite sort of forthright with Paul, isn't she? Because he starts saying, oh, maybe we could go to this Mexican restaurant. And she's like, no, I've already booked a table at a seafood restaurant and then we're going to the cinema. But she's saying it in this quite sort of newsy way. Uh, yeah. And as they leave, she says good evening to the rest of the band and they all just kind of grunt at her. Like They clearly are just making no effort whatsoever for some reason. No, and just the whole like aesthetic as well in her very boring suit and they're all dressed like teenagers, even though we, you know, we semi-established they're adults legally. But in all other things, they are dressed like, yeah, teenagers in the late 90s, early 2000s were dressed. So it's just kind of, yeah, it doesn't feel right. And it also doesn't really, isn't enough of a joke to be a good sitcom fodder, to be like, oh, here's this really serious woman. Yeah, I'd love it if she was the same age as them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that could have been a reveal at some point. <laughs> yeah. How old is She's she? Like That's 22. what we need to know. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Good evening. I'm Linda Lewis. Hi. Hi. 
So, how was your weekend? Boating on the lake, great success. Dinner at an Italian restaurant, overpriced. And finally, a walk on the beach. Great. So, you ready? Yes. Well, I thought maybe we'd go to this Mexican restaurant. No. A meal at the seafood restaurant. Tables are booked. Then, coming up in the next hour, a trip to the cinema. Oh, that sounds like a much better idea. I don't know what I was thinking. Come on, let's go, yeah? I look this actress up and she seems to have just dropped off the face of the earth. This is her only acting credit on IMDb. Oh. Um, she's She's got quite a unique name, so I googled her because yes. that usually comes up with stuff. And I, I found a few film reviews written by her in the sort of th- early 2000s on E! Online. But then literally nothing in the last sort of 10 years or so and no social media. So I want to know what's happened to this woman. She's got, her name is like, I don't know how it's pronounced exactly, but it's like Desda Mounts. So yeah. it's quite, because I, I Googled it thinking, oh, well, I'll find her, you know, LinkedIn or something like that. <laughs> like she will be somewhere. But yeah, there's just like nothing from the last 10 years or so. And this was her only acting experience. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that makes it even more because I do in my, in my notes, I've kind of said, imagine like you go into an audition and you're offered that role. And now I'm thinking maybe she didn't audition. She just knew someone. And they were like, oh, we need someone to play a serious newsreader. Can you do it? And she yeah, she's it pretty decent. Yeah. Like it's um, she doesn't have that much to do. But it's quite. It's a very one note character, but she does it pretty well. She doesn't stand out as being, you know, a bad actress or anything like that. Yeah, like she's is, never done. It <laughs> that's the standard for this series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm surprised. I wonder. Maybe it was such a horrible experience. She just thought, I'm never doing any <laughs> acting work again. That's it. So they go on this date, and we see Paul arriving home later that night. Everyone's in bed. He goes into Joe's room and sort of trips over something and wakes her up. Uh, at first, I was like, "Why is he in Joe's room?" But it's apparently he's in. Apparently, he's in there because Tina is chatting to John in Paul and John's room. Yeah, and it's quite we... convoluted because at first I was like, "Why is Paul creeping around in Joe's <laughs> room?" Poor in Joe. The of the night? <laughs> um, and yeah, that was the thing. Seeing him get quite drunk as well. So you have this yeah. thing where you don't, when we said we don't see, really see them act like adults. And then, boom, he's doing this very adult thing of getting drunk with this woman on the first date. And then nothing, presumably nothing that interesting has happened because he's come back drunk. to the. He's not gone back to hers. <laughs> she's not, he's not brought her to the room he shares with John. Yeah, I don't know. I just found that a bit, again, you, it doesn't, sometimes it feels like they're not really sure what their audience is. Like they go in and they think, oh, this is for a fellow adult like myself. And then they remember it's on CBBC and they have to tone it down a bit. But things like this kind of slip through the net and it feels a bit... It's I can't think of many children's shows where you see people get that drunk, really. It doesn't feel like that's a responsible thing to be showing. Yeah, in the previous episode, I think it was the previous episode, Hannah went on a date with someone and when she got home all the girls were kind of looking out for her and they were looking out of the window and being all like, oh, they're going to have a snog. And I like how with Paul, they none of them care. Like, they've all just gone yeah. to bed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> No yeah. interest. He might come home, he might not. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's, yeah, he's, he's creeped into her. So he's realised he can't go into his own bedroom, but he knows there's a spare bed because Tina's in his room. So he decides to sleep there. And that leads to what I've described as the B storyline. Yeah. Of It's not a very exciting B storyline, but it's Joe 
realizing that there's all this noise and stuff going on and it leads to her just trying to find a place to sleep but the scene is basically setting up her hostility to this newswoman that's really weird yeah because she says to him um well she asks him how the date went and he said it was great she's right about everything is what he says and she goes do you not think she's a bit and i thought she was gonna say something about the whole newsreader thing here but she just says don't you think she's a bit weird and a bit horrible to you and i was thinking in the whole episode the band are always complaining about Linda, but they never acknowledge the really weird way that she talks. Like, that's not their complaint. Their complaint is that <laughs> she's, like, making him do things as opposed to she talks like a newsreader Yeah, all the time. She, and I agree with Joe in some ways. Like, I kind of think she, the woman does seem a bit weird and a bit horrible. But it's such a weird character to have say that because Joe initially seems a bit weird and a bit horrible. She's got this really hard <laughs> edge to her. And you're like, really, you're you're the one making that judgment that she's a bit weird and a bit horrible when Joe kind of seems like this, I describe her in my notes as like this sort of hard Essex mum who's sort mm-hmm. of at the playground and you're a bit terrified of her, like that air. And it doesn't really mix with the kind of nice pop star air of all the others. So, yeah, yeah it's it just seems a bit, yeah, I found it the, the weird, like, the, trying to find, like, they've always been told in writing school, oh, there needs to be a conflict. So they brought in this new character. But it only creates, it doesn't really create that much conflict even with Paul. It just sort of creates this sort of weird conflict amongst themselves. And they're like, who is this woman? She's a bit weird. And that's the conflict. Yeah, this is something similar happened before with Paul in series one, where he got this job as a hotel manager. And he sort of had a personality transplant and didn't really want to be in the band anymore. And he was talking in a sort of weird like sort of uptight voice and it's pretty similar to in this episode so I don't know they're sort of implying that Paul is quite quick to just change his personality and like distance himself from the band so maybe it's foreshadowing his future. I was gonna say maybe they knew that he was he maybe he was always the one sort of muttering under his breath how he was gonna leave one day and he didn't need them and these were kind of implying that he was influenced by women he met in LA or just it's easily led. Yeah, very rushed to, to not be in S Club 7. And I have to say, I think out of all of them, he's in some ways the better actor. Like he seems to kind of really throw himself into whatever nonsense they've given him. Yeah, he's very committed and he, he yes. has quite a lot to do in this episode. He, he deals quite well with the sort of slapstick stuff, like whenever he's got a sort of falling over moment to do. He does sort of uh, go for it and has some quite sort of funny facial expressions. Yes. And he seems like he's actually, despite him later deciding he hated them all, you know, and he left, he does seem like he's actually quite having fun with it. And then I think the rest of them are very much, well, there's an air of let's just get through this episode and let's film the next thing. And it's just very, there doesn't feel like there's much heart in it because there isn't actually much to for them to get their teeth into. So it's quite interesting that you end up with kind of all these storylines. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, as you mentioned before, this is the, the beginning of this plot about how Joe can't get to sleep. It starts off with Paul snoring and she sort of goes up to him with a pillow like she's going to smother him or something, but she just sort of puts it on his head like she's trying to drown out the noise. Yeah, that's the first bit of that little plot that carries on throughout the episode. Yeah, and it's very in keeping with her because she's quite aggro. So you can imagine that she would, she'd at least consider killing him and then be like, oh no, that's not a good idea. So that's so like, that's kind of a, a good character development, which is Joe is the one who is going most likely 
to murder one of the others. <laughs> that's the jeopardy. That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> Could flip at any moment. So then the next day we see Rachel, Tina and Hannah are sort of walking along the beach uh, and Rachel sees a sign that says surfing championships this weekend. And she goes, are you thinking what I'm thinking? And Hannah and Tina sort of look at these surfer guys and go, yeah. And Rachel's like, oh, I was thinking we could try and perform at the closing party. And they're like, oh, right. Okay. Because as I said, LA7 is hornier than Miami 7. They're all just checking out guys constantly for some yeah, reason. I've, I've put this as the C storyline, which is yeah. basically Hannah and Tina being horny on the main for these not actually that attractive men. It just felt like at this point you said people were just desperate and they needed to get with someone. And that's the air of this episode. Yeah, maybe they're, they're spending too much time as a, as a group of seven. Yeah. Like they, they, they see other people and they're like, oh my God. Yeah, I have to go out. That's the only way to actually let these people into their lives. They have to go out with them. They can't just be friends with other people. It's sort of kind of like I've been watching a lot of Golden Girls recently. And there's mm-hmm. kind of this rule in Golden Girls where they can't be friends with anyone else, like recurring friends. <laughs> you kind of have a, like a one episode friend. And then either that friend turns out to be horrible or you just never see them again. And that kind of feels like this element, but almost doubled with all these people. So they can't afford to bring someone else in because there's already too many of them as it is. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Rachel goes off to inquire about this gig. And Tina and Hannah both go, great, when she leaves, which seems a bit harsh. Uh, <laughs> and they, they sprint over to those guys on the beach and almost sort of collide with them, don't they? Like, they, they're about to, like, run into them. Yeah. Like, it's, they're not playing it very cool, are they? No, and it just seems a bit like... I think one of the things that I, in, my, in my deep dive research is I was genuinely shocked that Tina is older than Joe. Yeah. By, I think, like, about three years and yeah, Tina just has this air of like mum away at a conference. Like, she's just so <laughs> excited to be away from like her children or her husband or whatever. <laughs> so she just goes along with anything. And it's not that Tina looks like she's too old to be doing this, but she just has an air of a woman who's seen a lot of life. So Hannah going along with it seems quite sweet and innocent in a sense. But something slightly predatory about Tina getting involved as well. I think that's a good way to men? describe it. The uh, mum away at a conference—that's exactly it. I think. She just has it. Like, don't know if that's her whole—if that is her whole air. But yeah, she just seems like okay. I know I'm a bit too old to be talking to these young surfer dudes, but what else am I doing? So I'll go along with it. Yeah, because the the guys initially asked them if they're surfers, and 
Tina kind of says no and Hannah says yes at the same time and then Tina's like oh uh, uh, yes yeah, we are go I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make yeah. a, a bold claim here and say I think that is possibly Tina's best line delivery of the show so far <laughs> like, it's quite a low bar I know it's only like three words but it did make me laugh a little bit the way she was kind of like uh yes we are um I think Hannah's quite funny in this subplot as well like the way she keeps trying to sort of talk like a surfer doesn't she she'll just randomly be like dudes yeah she's so she's better with people she can kind of just she can become whatever you want her to become which is kind of it's odd actually i've just realized it's kind of ironic after they sort of flag off Paul for doing that and then that's exactly what hannah and tina are doing with these surfer men they sort of lie and yeah it's um i don't know the surfer one i think because it's kind of just it's quite brief and you see it in thing it doesn't seem as a bit odd as it does the Paul and Linda relationship <laughs> because you were seeing kind of Hannah and Tina are going to discard these men once they're done with them whereas Paul is talking like he's going to marry this woman yeah he's like he's going to leave the band and go off with her and maybe become a, a newsreader as well yeah. possibly <laughs> doesn't she say something later like newsreading is the only option or something like that yeah it's like good luck with that Paul <laughs> but yeah it's 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 quite I don't know. It's, I think you're right. That weird. Let's see them get together with other people, but there's always a slight barrier. And with this one, it's not. Nobody seems to stop these two with these surfer dudes. There's no worry that they'll become surfer ladies and leave the band, for example. Yeah, they they should be worried because they're behaving like they're insane. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the, these guys introduce themselves. Uh, they're called Miggy and Ziggy. And Hannah tells them that she and Tina are called Higgy and Tiggy. <laughs> it's just mad. And yeah, I looked up these guys as well. Um, one of them appears to be a clothes designer now. Uh, and one of them owns an electrical company, but still does a little bit of acting. He was most recently in the Tommy Wiseau film Best Friends oh. a few years ago. I mean, that's, so, that's quite some credits there. I wonder what it is about this S Club series that sees a lot of people never act again. Like, I feel like something really horrible happened on set that they're like, that's it, I'm leaving the industry. I can't do it. I wonder if they even paid them. I'm at that stage where I'm like, did they just find these people on the street? And we're like, you'll do. You Because they all to be seem to be locals as well. Like whenever yeah. I look them up since on LinkedIn or whatever, their location is always like Miami or LA. So they do always seem to be local to where it was shot. Yeah. And if you're in LA, you're going to bump into an actor just kind of getting your newspaper or whatever. Like you can just ask someone, do they want to act in something? And the chances are, if you're living in LA, you do. So you'll say yes, even if you've never heard of this British show with too many people in it. Yeah, and there's qu there's quite a weird exchange here where they say you don't really look like surfers, and Hannah goes, "Yeah, these aren't our clothes," and he's like, yeah. well, "Why are you wearing them?" And she says, "We were surfing, and a massive wave sucked all our clothes off." Yeah, and then like what? In this next place, they don't these presumably stupid surfers are not like so where did you get those clothes what <laughs> you stole them they're wearing quite, yeah tina's outfit's pretty revealing if that's what she's wearing to replace the sucked off surfer clothes as well <laughs> and also yeah it's a bit weird that they say you don't look like surfers because it's like what are you expecting surfers to just walk around in their yeah, surfing just in clothes a, in a, like yeah in a wetsuit in that really hot area all the time <laughs> yeah no it's they could be just not surfing that day it was yeah, very strange. Hi. Hi. Are you surfers? No. Yes. 
Yes, we yes, are. Yes, we are. Dudes. <laughs> Great. I'm Miggy, and that's Ziggy. Cool. I'm Higgy, and that's Tiggy. <laughs> you don't look like surfers. Oh, we are, we are, we are. Um, These clothes, they're not us. Why are you wearing them, then? Because we were surfing, and there was this massive wave, and it just sucked all our clothes off. So, um, yeah, we borrowed these. Wow. That must have been some wave. Yeah, it was huge. Uh, Rachel comes running over at this point and says they've got the gig. And again, it's it's weird as well that she was just like, oh, maybe we can perform at the closing party. Like that's quite forward thinking for Rachel. Like she's got quite a business brain in this episode. Yeah, I was going to say because usually the impression I get is that she's not that bright, or they try and portray her as not. I mean, it's a bit later on where you kind of think, oh, they're trying to portray her as stupid. Um, but I can't imagine her being like the admin person for S Club Seven. Like she's yeah. the one with a diary, putting in the bookings. Like it's just, yeah, it's very, it's very out. Okay, I can't imagine any of them doing that. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they get anything done. Yeah. Whenever we see them in the flat, they're all just sort of like slumped into the sofas. Yeah, they're like... just lolling about and look like they're just on the verge of a depressive episode because they don't really have much to do it's just there's no they're not doing anything outside of rachel finding them a gig in some random bar somewhere yeah rachel's out there hustling she's sorting things out but back at the flat they're talking about what they could perform at the gig and joe is asleep on the sofa because obviously paul's snoring has kept her awake all night and she suddenly wakes up at one point and goes um what who it's like not the best line delivery from joe <laughs> Uh, and this is the point where Paul walks in wearing a suit and glasses uh, and they all go, look what the cat dragged in. And Hannah says, must have been a pretty nerdy cat. <laughs> I mean, there are some sort of quite, you know, ITV 90s level good sitcom lines in in mm-hmm. this show. But yeah, as we said earlier, he looks great. I don't understand where the hostility to someone who clearly looks like, but it's this air of, oh, he looks like an adult and he looks like he might be educated. And thus, that's something really off-putting. Yeah, they're all disgusted, aren't they? (laughs) Yeah, just like, because, I mean, it is out of character and young people don't really dress like that. But it's like, there's this air of obviously none of them have ever had proper jobs where they have had to go to a job interview and wear a suit, for example. Yeah, and not only has he changed his clothes, he's also speaking in a sort of quite stilted, nasal voice. Like, oh, Linda told me I look better like this. Yeah, it's like, how how long have you known Linda? It feels like it's been about two days. And suddenly he's get, he's buying new clothes. <laughs> Maybe they've been on one date. Yeah, it's it just feels a bit like you. If this was like an adult show, this would be leading to some sort of like gaslighting storyline. Yeah, where she's going to turn out to be abusive or something. But with this, everyone's just like, oh yeah, you've changed your ways, and that's a bit weird. Um, and you look you look nice, but we no no one's going to acknowledge that because that's not a good storyline to go oh she's made you look nice because they all hate her for some reason yeah and hannah and tina go running upstairs to get ready well they say get ready for our date but they don't really again they're insane they don't have a date they've just spoken to these guys once and they're planning to go back the next day but they describe it as our date tomorrow (laughs) they're deluded and they've somehow managed to i don't know what who's funding them but they've managed to get full-on surfing gear like wetsuits and they're yeah. ready to go it's like who's, where did you get this money what's your like petty cash situation like 
because you yeah. wouldn't they, they they're not they can surfers. never afford to pay the rent yeah but she can if they can afford to get quite expensive looking surfing gear and it's there's a bit i found really strange where here john is really rude to tina about a surfing gear and they're meant to be like the really close ones yeah the relationships between them vary like not just from episode to episode but from scene to scene like as you just mentioned one minute they're at each other's throats and the next minute they're absolutely best friends and would do anything for each other and yeah there's a lot of i think maybe it's quite a british thing that they maybe feel reluctant to make it feel sort of cheesy and so any sort of nice moment has to a few minutes later have a moment of like oh what are you talking about and all that yeah, sort of nonsense it's really just yeah it's like they're all they all get really aggro for really no reason it's, yeah this not to 60 of we love each other to we're just sick of each other now because it's been two years or whatever and you would have that dynamic but it just seems to come out of nowhere both those extreme emotions yeah this is the scene where i noticed that john is eating some cereal like straight out of the box and the box has clearly been specially made for the show because it says corn pops um like apparently there's an american cereal called corn pops and in this show, the word pop is used all the time as a sort of substitute for like crap. So this is like a specially made joke prop, but you don't really know what corn pops are unless you're American. Cause I didn't understand it. I was right. like, what's, cause I noticed the word pop and I was like, what cereal is that? Like, have they just made up a cereal? But I Googled it and um, according to Wikipedia, corn pops were in the UK at one point, but they, weren't very successful so they were discontinued it doesn't sound very nice yeah wikipedia also says um corn pops sponsored take that's 1994 uk tour which was known as the pops tour goodness yeah it just sounds like the most boring cereal because is it sweet is it like is it just like sweet just corn? sort of corn yeah because <laughs> yeah. at first i thought oh is it like sugar puffs or something like i yes. thought it might be a british equivalent but no it's just a purely american cereal although i guess maybe it was briefly in the uk during the time they were making this show so maybe they did think it would be a more universal reference people would get that very brief joke and they'd be like oh this this show is genius it's got all these like like it's simpsons or something these really like subtle jokes that you kind of have to you don't notice immediately upon watching but yeah it's um i find that yeah that level of detail which it doesn't deserve like this show does not deserve someone in the graphics department making a cereal box for them just for that one joke. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder who came up with that. I wonder was it was it the director? Like, oh, I've got a great idea for a sight gag. Yeah, and it's, but it's going to be so so brief and so subtle. Only like the best audience will get it. It's like if you're going to do a joke like that, you just have to have the box up on the screen for a long length of time and hope someone will appreciate the effort you've gone to so yeah later we see Hannah and Tina are just kind of jumping around on a surfboard in the living room uh trying to get some practice in to impress these guys and Bradley comes in with a load of burgers handing them out to everyone and Paul says he doesn't want one because he doesn't like fast food and I like how Bradley just goes uh yes you do yeah it's just yeah like what's what has changed I think that's the biggest kind of like insult to them that he's turning down and it's like what? How can I put it? They're, again, they're all adults 
eating fast food. I mean, I don't know if they cook, if you ever see them cook, but it's such a weird thing to be like, oh, this is how he's changed. You know, he doesn't eat a burger that's offered to him for free, seemingly, anymore, because she's, in the one or two days that she's known him, has said that he doesn't eat fast food anymore. It's like, you wouldn't do that. Why is Paul so desperate for this woman's approval? What has happened in his life that he needs this woman? He says the only things he likes now are reading the newspaper and having serious political discussions. Which he's not really going to get in that house from any of them, to be honest. No. <laughs> Can't imagine any of them know, particularly about American politics, about British politics. Yeah, and from the sounds of it, they're not really having discussions. He's just listening to her talk about stuff. He's trying to learn. Because there's a bit later, isn't there, where he um, he asks Rachel what she thinks about the prospects of free trade in the Pacific Rim countries. <laughs> and he kind of puts his arm around her and goes, what's your take on that? And she just kind of goes, um, I agree with Linda. And he's like, oh, good, me too. <laughs> yeah, in the sense that, yeah, neither of them really understand any of what he's just said. Um, and we've already kind of cemented that Rachel, though she's got a business brain, she's not necessarily the brightest of the bunch. Although, to be honest, if someone randomly came up to me and was like, what do you think about free trade in the Pacific Rim countries? I think I would be the same as Rachel. I would, yeah. "Mm." What do you think? Yeah, (laughs) I I agree. Yeah, it's such a, and you kind of get, you're not sure if it's, if that is a, again, is that like an American joke? Is that something that was topical at the time? I (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. We get another moment of, uh, well, we get another night of Joe unable to sleep. Uh, this time, John is in their room talking on Tina's bed. They're sort of having a bit of a gossip, aren't they? John suggests that maybe Linda is a robot or an alien. <laughs> and Joe says to them, oh, do you two ever stop talking and go to sleep? And John just goes, no, I don't think we do, do we? And Tina's like, no, we just stay up all night talking. Yeah. And to be fair, I didn't expect it, but I'm on Joe's side here. Because like, they look at what she sort of storms out and they look at her as if she's the unreasonable one. Yeah, why can't she just stay up all night? I mean, you know, she's 21. She'll, she'll be fine. She doesn't need to sleep. So <laughs> it'll, it'll work out. Um, I, I like the bit where she, she goes into Rachel and Hannah's room and she's shook at how messy they are. There's just clothes yeah. on the floor. And it's like, how long have you been living with them? Like, is this the first time she's been, been let their into their, <laughs> yeah. like, their horrible room? And she, like, sort of this, I describe it as sort of Chuckle Brothers-esque scene. So she does all this tidying up for them. And then she's like, great, I can sleep. And then wakes up the next morning back in the mess. Like, they've somehow, in a matter of minutes, just created this mess again. Um, and there's no, it's just them throwing clothes about, like they're children. Um, and then she decides she can't live like that. So Joe's search for a decent night's sleep continues. Yeah, and I like how, because yeah, she walks in and it's a mess. And she f- starts freaking out and is like, I can't sleep in these conditions. She says, I need to see carpet. And then we kind of cut to her having tidied up the whole room. And Hannah says it's been four hours and they've just still got the lights on and everything. So have the, have Rachel and Hannah literally just been watching Joe 
just tiny staring at room her. for four yeah. hours. It's just, yeah. It's and it's such because I think the impression I get is that actually once she tidies it up, she does actually have quite a nice sleep. So if she was just willing to do that for four hours a night, <laughs> fine, just sleep on the floor of uh, Rachel and Hannah's room. Yeah, that's her new routine. She just goes and tidies their room yeah, every night. Knackers are out. Like, yeah. <laughs> Because that bit did surprise me a little bit because I thought the joke was going to be that, you know, they say goodnight and then the alarm clock immediately goes off or something. So she's been tidying all night. So it did surprise me a little bit that they they did go to sleep. And then the joke was actually that she wakes up and it's a mess again. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think either. I think they kind of went with the better joke. But um, Mm -hmm. it's just kind of, again, it's these kind of character traits that you get no indication of at any other point yeah rachel and hannah are messy apparently (laughs) yeah but only in their bedroom they're fine they presumably keep the communal areas very tidy because no one's complained about the bathroom for example so yeah it's that kind of one-off like and i don't know if it kind of if it comes up again if there's like this long-running joke that rachel is very, very pretty and but really disgusting like that would be great comedy and they never yeah just they haven't got the time they just need to find the next storyline yeah and the whole thing about tina and john staying up all night talking like joe seems to only be learning about it for the first time yeah and, and this is the second series <laughs> yeah. like, this isn't episode two or something yeah it's it's odd that she's never really it's, it kind of cements this idea that i have which is they didn't actually spend any time together really and they kind of hint at that in the show it's like well, actually they kind of just live together but they didn't really talk at all they don't have personalities to get to know yeah and the next day they go to the beach for some reason with the intention of rehearsing i'm not sure why they're going to the beach to rehearse for their game because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> tina starts giving a big spiel about how they need to rehearse non-stop to be ready but then she spots the surfer guys again and it's like right time for a break and her and hannah just sort of throw themselves at these guys again but they're now wearing surfer clothes so the guys are slightly more interested and are kind of like hey cool threads uh, yeah, and Hannah tries to keep up with their weird surface speak by just talking nonsense. <laughs> and yeah, again, I found this, I mean, I'm not kind of sure what where we are in terms of the timestamp, but um, my notes have kind of felt like I've described it as the surface storyline is over before it begins because you then see them, they try and impress these surfer dudes with their surfing skills. And we know that they don't really know what they're doing. All they've done is stand on the surfing board. Oh, did they even stand on the surfing board? I think they were just doing surfing moves in the living room. They weren't really, like, even on the equipment. They were just wearing the clothes and keeping their arms out. And then they go into the sea, and in classic sitcom style, it does not end well for them. Yeah, because the guys tell them to go in the sea, and at first they're like, oh, we don't have our boards. And Tina goes, oh, drat. And but then they can't think of any more excuses when the guys say, "Oh, you can have our boards." Like yeah. they're, they're just like, "Oh well, I guess we're going in the sea then." <laughs> yeah, and they and they come out looking like they've got like seaweed on them. Like they go like it's a really hot. Sounds like a really horrible experience. And all I could think when I was watching it was like, "What did they make the two women do? Like, did they just kind of pour a bucket of water on them, or did they actually?" push them in the seats they look really tired and just like really scarred from whatever they've been made to do and I don't think they're that good actresses for them to have just had a bucket of water shot on them I think they were pushed into the sea and yeah just expected to deal with it 
really. Yeah, because they're sort of like flailing around in there, aren't they? And uh, yeah, <laughs> and there's all these shots of the guys on the shore watching them as well and making kind of faces like, "What is this?" Yeah, because they kind of realise they've been had. But then they come out and Hannah's just got this horrible, like, choking noise that she makes. <laughs> like, she's swallowed something really horrible. And I was like, that's that's not just a, you know, Sylvia Young training. That's something, you've had something throw to throw. Tina's obviously just doesn't go to that length. She's just a bit wet and looks a bit confused um, at what she's just had to do. But, um, yeah, it's kind of... It's, it's written in a way that they're kind of like, oh, so that's the end of the story. Because it doesn't seem to be any consequences. Like, the women have lied. The surfer dudes aren't interested anymore. And then it just moves on. Yeah, it's very childish. The uh, the one surfer guy says, you're not cool, you're not surfer chicks, and you're not hanging out with us. And they just yeah. kind of storm off <laughs> like they're in the playground. Yeah, exactly. Like, they are about five years old, which is exactly the sort of men they probably should be hanging out with based on um, the comments they make and the way they live their lives. Yeah, and I quite like this very 2000 reference where they're they're saying things like hang 10 and Hannah goes, yeah, hang 10, 50-50, phone a friend. Yeah, (laughs) she's just kind of whatever nonsense. And they don't seem phased by her at all. Like, they think she's, based on her language, that she's a serious surfer as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they fall for it. I think it's the British accent. They, the Americans just, <laughs> yeah, the just sort of think, oh, they're, they're saying something clever, clearly. <laughs> and we then go to the cafe. Um, Bradley doesn't have much to do in this episode, apart from in the actual performance later on. But he's sort of trying out a little um, a card trick at this point, isn't he? Like, he's trying out a bit of a trick on John that isn't really a trick because he's just saying to John, what's your card? And John yeah. tells him, and then he goes, is this your card? And John's like, but I just told you what my card was. Yeah. It's a weird little <laughs> a weird little uh, tangent. Yeah, and Bradley gets really aggro. He's, and, and what struck me as well is Bradley's outfits throughout this whole episode. Like, they're in LA. And I think in the magic trick one, he's wearing this, like, big, heavy black jumper. Yeah. Like, Aren't you sweating? Aren't you like really? No one else is dressed like that. Everyone else is dressed like they're in a hot country. <laughs> but yeah, I was really thrown at kind of, yeah, he hardly gets any screen time. And when I first watched this, it was kind of at the height of all the whole like Black Lives Matter thing. So mm-hmm. I was kind of very doubly conscious that Bradley, one, you know, the, the major ethnic minority in Club 7 seems to just be pushed aside, hidden away in his too hot black jumper and I in my notes I was kind of like when he does speak they've tried to make him kind of this like sassy Keenan Thompson type mm. like that's his role is just to be really kind of constantly on like you don't it's just he's just there to feed the comic lines um without much depth it's like at some point they go oh we need someone who can sound like the lines they're delivering are funny and it, all the responsibility falls on Bradley to deliver. Yeah, there's quite a sort of like sassy line from him in a minute because uh, Linda shows up and we get the news music again. I like how when she sits down, she kind of shuffles some papers in front of her. That was quite good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And she starts telling Paul that they're going to the theatre together tomorrow night. You know, she's not asking him, she's telling him, but obviously it clashes with the gig. Uh, and this is the point where she says to him, your band will never make it. News reading is the only option. 
like maybe John's right maybe she is a robot or something she's like this is the only option Uh, and she basically she tells him that he has to leave the band doesn't she yeah and I kind of to be honest I don't blame her like from what I've seen from this episode if that's (laughs) if we're seeing it from Linda's point of view she's not really seen him do any singing she's not she's all she sees is that he's living in this sort of house with all these people who claim they're going to make it big one day you know she's a proper grown-up she's not going to be impressed by someone telling her that he's in a band uh no musical instruments in the house you know <laughs> who's who's sending the material like it's just a bit so I'm I'm with her I think you should leave the band and become a newsreader yeah she probably thinks he's living in like a, a squat or something because she's been around yeah. there once and it's just seven people just lying on the floor or on the sofa yeah and what is their immigration status like (laughs) how how are they allowed to just stay there lolling about not doing very much and yeah this is the point where she she says you have to leave the band and then she walks off and bradley sort of goes you gotta sort out your bird bro yeah (laughs) it is i think they kind of at that point when she just you know saying to him what this endeavor is a waste of time it's basically going hanging around with these people is a waste of time so Mm -hmm. i think it's her making her feelings clear i'm I'm probably going too deep but it's her making her feeling clear that she doesn't want him to be hanging out with those people and if she can sort of take him away then she can fully mold him into her image but there's a bit when um is it John when he's like oh when she's on the news which I again I in my notes I was like when does she actually do any work like what when is she doing the news raiding she <laughs> yeah. seems to spend every evening with him so she's not doing evening news um they seem to know her which suggests she's on some sort of local TV but you never she doesn't say where she works it's just like oh she's a newsreader and then they don't ask any further details or give any further details she's just yeah it sounds like. It's the sort of thing like a child says when they're playing make-believe. Like, oh, this person, you know, in this imaginary job, they're a newsreader, but they don't really, they haven't thought beyond that. They just kind of go, they go on telly and they read a bit of paper and that's their job. But like, surely if she's a proper journalist, she'd be there like all day. Yeah, because they're, they're sort of going out every evening, aren't they? Like to restaurants and the theatre. Yeah, so. long things like theatres, yeah. <laughs> she's doing the news at like midday or something. Yeah, she just does like breakfast, maybe. Maybe. Like, yeah it was yeah i just i was like when is she actually doing when have they seen her on the news no one she's always available for someone who's so busy and so grown up and yeah they definitely haven't been together that long have they because thinking about it we can sort of pinpoint the timeline of this episode by the whole joe can't sleep storyline because it's definitely a few nights in a row isn't it yeah so and, and he was going on a date with linda on the first night so it feels like it's only been about three or four days that's it it can't have been it's not even been a week like it's just and they but they talk about her as if she's been around for months getting steadily worse and it's this it seems quite a sort of obsessive approach to to her relationship with paul yeah girlfriends and boyfriends don't last very long in this show they don't really go beyond <laughs> one episode it's like you said about the friends and the golden girls we have someone comes it's in like that click yeah you can't have anyone come in and when you do it's it creates a weird dynamic and they are protecting but in those other things you kind of you get a sense of those friendships and why they're so close in here it's like it's a group of work colleagues at the end of the day like there's no <laughs> sense of like really close friendship apart from tina and john being up all night talking about 
each other and the band like because they've got they got no outside interest so it's just about what other people in the band are doing yeah and it's never really been established before that tina and john are particularly close as a pairing it's like there's a bit in the good place where someone is talking about friends and says and mentions like oh we're friends like ross and phoebe and Eleanor goes, weird pairing, but okay. And it's kind of like that. It's like two people, like, why are John and Tina suddenly, like, best friends in this one episode? Yeah, they've got they've got very little, like, different ages. You feel like kind of different upbringings. Like, they've got nothing. It's purely, maybe they just like talking at each other. That's, that's all they have in common, and that's what they've gone with. But, yeah, there's that that air of oh he's such a good friend to us Paul we really care about him and his relationship status it's like you don't really you just don't want to have to change all your marketing and remove the seven that's what I'm <laughs> concerned about Paul yeah it'll be a faff yeah it's just an inconvenience hi good evening tonight extra workshop means I have to stay in Looking to the week ahead, you are coming to the theatre with me tomorrow evening. Back on, I... Witnesses say the play is an excellent one. Onlookers have clapped and cheered. Now, over to you, Paul. <clears throat> I can't come tomorrow evening. We've got a gig. Your band will never make it. News reading is the only option. Those are the facts. You heard it here first. Now, you hold on a minute. You just can't say things like that. You must leave the band. That's all for now. See you the same time tomorrow evening. Good night. Oh, you got to sweat your bird, bro. So Joe can't sleep again. She takes a blanket into the living room, which is where Bradley sleeps for some reason. Uh, again, Bradley's just like the outsider. He's been put in the living room and everyone else is sharing their yeah. dreams with each other. It just kind of cements his difference, doesn't it? Really? <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling very sorry for Bradley. And he's, he's sort of, he's talking in his sleep at first, isn't he? And he's kind of saying like, oh, you can take my number. So he's like flirting in his sleep. Flirting in his dreams with some mysterious woman, bless him. Yeah, and then he's sleep singing and then sleep dancing. And I quite like this line where Joe says to him, you're more active at night than you are during the day. <laughs> yeah, because he's one of the ones who just sort of slumped on the square. Well, he got some fast food and then appeared sort of slumped in somewhere. But yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know how, I wonder if they alternate rooms because how has he John, dropping, got the short straw? And yeah, I think he's always been on the, on the sofa. sofa. yeah. This was a thing when they moved in, like, two episodes ago. He was just, for some reason, in the front room. I'm not sure why exactly. No, there wasn't even part of a storyline. They just didn't even establish why he's got the rough deal here. Actually, now that I think about it, it was mentioned in that episode that he snored. So I think at the time I assumed it was because of that. But in this episode, Ah, Paul is literally snoring. Like, that's Paul's characteristic in this episode. So I don't, I don't know. I think, yeah, they've forgotten that's why Bradley's in the front row. That's why Bradley's... But actually, Bradley doesn't snore, he talks. But... <laughs> yeah, it's been two episodes and his, like, nighttime activity is just completely different. It's developed, yeah. It's getting more and more intense. Because then he's, like, up and, um, like, with a vacuum cleaner as well, isn't it? He, like, sleep vacuuming. Yeah, he just, like she said, he just, like, needs to be constantly, like, busy. And I suppose just leaving him in the living room to do whatever he needs to do makes sense. Yeah, so Joe, I guess, gets another night with no sleep. 
The next day we get a few shots of what I assume is the surfing championships. It's just a, like a few shots of people kind of surfing on the beach. And it the band milling around. Yeah, and the band are walking around. They mentioned that the gig is in a few hours, so Paul kind of needs to make a decision. Linda then walks up to them. And this threw me a bit because she says to them, it's 3.45. And I was like, what? Because it looks like it's the evening, doesn't it? It looks really dark. <laughs> Is it 3.45 in the morning? It wouldn't surprise me if that's the only gig they could yeah, get. The gigs at like 5am. <laughs> um, and we're still at the point where, when exactly is she doing her news reading? So she's not, we can't even say she's doing the like the daytime slot. She's around to just hang around for their rehearsal period. Yeah, have they she's actually not seen along. her on the news? Maybe she's like got some sort of disorder where she thinks she's a newsreader. <laughs> she thinks she's a newsreader and she's actually just a fantasist. Because we don't see her And at because work. they're young and naive. Yeah. Yeah, never goes to her workplace. Yet she's available to just come to his gig in this hut, basically. <laughs> I think that makes it a darker episode that she's not actually a newsreader. <laughs> <laughs> would have, yeah, I would have been down with that if they'd revealed that actually... No, she's a fan. And Joe would have come out with the receipts proving <laughs> that she wasn't a newsreader. Yeah, she starts talking about how Paul is going with her to the theatre because she's just assuming this. And he tries to sort of interrupt her, but she doesn't really listen to him until he starts going, newsflash, news just in. Like That suddenly gets her attention because he's kind of come into her world uh, and he breaks the news that he isn't going to go with her to the theatre. Uh, he says, I'm going to do this gig with my friends and you have to come and watch and sort of he sort of drags her along with them, doesn't he? Yes, and she doesn't really resist. She's sort of like, oh, okay, well, this is this is what I signed up for when I went on a date with a man who's in a band with six other people. So, because she could have just snuck off. That's probably what I would have done. I would have been like, oh yeah, I'll come in, and then once I was in the hut, try and make my escape. Because we see her kind of, she's sort of bobbing around a bit while they're performing. Like you can't really tell if she's enjoying it or not, but I guess she must be. <laughs> She's just, why is she just glad not to be news reading? We never see her do that. Yeah, so we get a performance now. They sing Spiritual Love. I feel like this isn't a very S clubby song because it's mostly like sort of Bradley rapping, isn't it? Like it doesn't feel like a typical sort of poppy S club song. No, I I put my, I didn't know, I've described it as this sort of Jane McDonald cruising end of show song. It's not quite (laughs) end of show song. But um, I didn't know it at all. It's not on their best of, which is very telling. I looked this up. It's um, it's because it's from the second album, but it, I couldn't find it on the track listing. And it, it was one of those, um, you know, like <laughs> special extra songs just in the UK version or something like that. Oh, OK. I thought it was going to be like you had to put it in your computer or something. <laughs> yeah, it took <laughs> some you digging. You put the CD and you get the extra track. Because it's, it's not on Spotify. No, 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 it's not on Spotify. I, the intro as well, I thought it was going to be a cover for some reason of Mama by the Spice Girls. It's got that kind mm. of vibe. And then it starts Bradley's weird talky bit. And then you think, oh, okay, he's just going to do this like for the beginning of the song. And then it's the whole song with Joe just kind <laughs> of occasionally coming in to sort of be like, oh, I'm Joe, I, I'm the one who can sing. And just remind us that it's S Club. Because it, you're right, it doesn't sound like an S Club song. It doesn't really sound like Bradley, to be honest, from because it is him doing this kind of... I'm not even sure what it is. It's not even like boys to men weird talkiness. It's not really clear what it is. And then they keep saying the word like natural in it. So I got confused. I was like, is that was an S Club song? Is this yeah. like a spin off of that song? 
but yeah it's not it's not the best song to choose and it doesn't really feel like it goes with the episode no <laughs> like it's usually you think if you've got a show like that you would have right we've done our album and we're going to write all the episodes around a song yeah so you can have this jane mcdonald theme type thing you know where (laughs) she's sort of in cuba so she gets to sing cuba or she's in sweden (laughs) so she gets to sing abba song that kind of vibe and it just the what i found really depressing about it as well is that it is bradley and joe's hour like it's all about them so he's invited the newsreader woman to just watch him sway, sway in, the in the background with yeah. four other people. Yeah, it's like this. It was just the best song to showcase the, themselves at this surfing gig. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't think about that. The fact that he's like, um, "Oh, come see this. This will impress you and make you change We're your so mind." Good. Yeah, it's and like... he's he's almost like a backing singer, like as if they're not even yeah, a band. Exactly. It's just Bradley and Joe. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like at that point, I would have reinforced that maybe this isn't for you because you're clearly just, you're replaceable at this point if that is your role to just stand with five others, sorry, with four others and just sway along. But yeah, it was a really, considering the amount of songs they had that must have had like more involvement from all of them. But it was always, I mean, that's the thing about S Club, it was always really like Joe's show. Yeah, a few episodes ago, we had a um, a Paul song, uh, which was Love Train. And again, in the episode, it had nothing to do with the episode. They were like working at a school, helping out a load of kids. And then it was like, oh, climb aboard the love 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 train. train. (laughs) (laughs) So they could have swapped them, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. He should have had him singing Love Train to the newswoman and her letting loose. And yeah, and not him singing at school children, which is a bit ick. But, um, yeah, it's it's not their finest it's not their finest moment as a song. And that's the bit I imagine if you were tuning in every week, the excitement laid in, which S Club Seven song are they gonna sing today? Yeah. And you would have been pretty disappointed if you kinda tuned in and you got spiritual love because it's just it's just not very exciting really. Yeah, and I think if you played it now to someone and said who is this, they wouldn't say S Club Seven at all. It's quite odd. No, no, they just some like American band that sort of had that as their one hit and then disappeared. But yeah, it's just, it, it's very much album filler. And that's cute on an album. It's mm-hmm. not cute when this is kind of the centerpiece of your um, hit CBBC series. Yeah, exactly. But after the performance, Linda goes up to Paul and, you know, begrudgingly admits that she was wrong and she says that he should <laughs> stick with the band because he's clearly he such an it. integral yeah. piece of it. <laughs> Yeah, they needed swaying basically <laughs> yeah it's, it's after being so hostile that's what convinced her seeing him as bradley's backup singer um yeah it's it's oh because yeah because it's like why why do we need this conclusion of her just accepting him because presumably we're never going to see her again yeah because i assume that um when he kind of turned her down for the theater i assumed she was just going to go off in a huff so i thought it was quite yeah, interesting that he decided to take her yeah like it's proper serious like i know you don't approve of my lifestyle choice but i want you to to accept me and again it goes back to this kind of i know they're away from home but he just paul in particular in this episode was very deeply insecure he's the <laughs> one who's really struggling being amongst all these people all the time and desperately needs that outside influence so even this woman who's known for two three days 
he needs her validation to stay in the band. Yeah, and also the the other storyline gets a bit sort of wrapped up as well because the surfer guys are there. Yes. They go up to Hannah and Tina and say, we've changed your minds, you are cool. And Tina says, and I quite like this actually, Tina says, well, we've changed our minds as well. And Hannah goes, yeah, we're not cool. And Tina's like, no, I mean, they're not cool. Like, that little <laughs> Hannah line made me laugh a little bit. It's like, yeah, we're not yeah. cool actually. <laughs> I like that Tina, and possibly due to her slightly older, she's more experienced in life, has gone, do you know what, if these men are not going to accept me as a non-surfer, but like, when do they even have the time to think about it? When were they stewing about being turned down and by these surfer dudes? And then to be like, well, if the surfer dudes come back, we don't want them. Like, why is, is Tina making that decision off her own back or did they discuss it because it feels a bit like tina's decided she doesn't want to deal with the surfer men anymore you know what i was wrong as if it's a miracle do you really mean that yes you should stick with them thanks that means so much to me hey higgy hey tiggy we've changed our minds you are cool. You know what? We've changed our minds too. Yeah, we're not cool. No, <laughs> they're not cool. Oh, yeah. That's right, isn't it, team? Hang ten! Flip your lid and uh, see you around. Yeah, and, and again, they're just so impressed by th- what they've done in this performance, which is just swaying yeah, in the background. Yeah, again, swaying in the background. Like, neither of them... Nobody goes up to Joan Bradley and like, yeah, it was a terrible song, but you did it well, which is what I think Joan Bradley needs to hear, really. They've had the worst of it this episode. Yeah, Joe's knackered, isn't she? Like, she does quite well yes. in the performance, considering she hasn't slept, like, all week. And at the end, she says she just wants to go home and go to bed. And then at the end of the episode, we kind of see everyone in their rooms doing their thing. Paul's snoring, Tina and John are chatting, Hannah and Rachel are just throwing clothes around randomly. Yeah, that, to explain <laughs> why that happens. Yeah. And they're in some like really quite nice pyjamas, just throwing their clothes around. It's like, I'm not even sure you did that as a child. <laughs> I like how it's not even like, oh, we've made a mess while doing something. <laughs> they're literally just on the just floor. Just throwing it, just throwing it out of there. Yeah. Around. Like they trolling Joe or something. Yeah, she tries to come back in. And Bradley is sleep dusting this time. <laughs> He's got like one of those multicolored dusters just going around the living room. Maybe that's the solution. Maybe Bradley could be put in the yeah, girl's room to clean it up in the that. night. Yeah, have him sleep on the floor and he will just sleep sleep cleat tidy up when they've thrown their clothes around um i don't know it's like it's like it's not even the behavior of children it's like a behavior of like a domestic pet or something like just being like it's gonna throw my clothes up in the air and have them land back down um yeah and my my the best well i say the best ending i was a bit it's you joe finally gets to sleep but she's banished herself outside on the balcony and i described her as sleeping outside like a dog because that's the only sort of thing that you would have but she's content and she's happy and it's kind of like this is how they will survive this horrible relationship with each other they will they will make it work um and they will stay together to see another adventure next week this is her life now yeah just and you know if you're going to sleep outside anyway la is probably the best place but you know it gets pretty bad you know if there's an earthquake or some sort of terrible weather she's going to have to 
probably sleep in with Bradley again and get dusted down. Yeah, I, I, I was concerned at first because I thought she was sort of like on the porch, but like it's like it is a raised balcony, isn't it? Because at first I was like, she's yeah. going to get murdered. She's just sleeping yeah. on the front porch. It doesn't look like a nice bit of LA, no. Um, yeah, it's, it's what she deserves, really. <laughs> she's... Everyone, everyone else is being unreasonable, yeah. but they don't need to change. She just needs to isolate herself and sleep yeah, outside. Yeah, I think this is sort of the, the lesson children will learn watching this. Like, people won't change for you. You've just got to make bold decisions like going to sleep outside because you live with people who are messy and noisy and disgusting. Yeah, it's like recently, actually, we had some um, new neighbours move in who were a bit noisy. They seem to have stopped doing it now. Maybe someone had a go at them, but they were being quite noisy in the night. And so we took to just like sleeping with a fan on to drown out the noise. So I'm I'm criticising Joe here, but I've basically done the same thing in my own life where I've been like, I'll do something to change my routine. This is it. I mean, you can't blame, for example, if she was going to share a room with um, Paul, it's not Paul's fault he's snoring. I mean, it might have been booze induced, but we see him snoring again at the end, which implies that's just how he sleeps. And no wonder Tina and John are sort of talking all night because John can't sleep um, because of having to share his room with Paul. It's just they're all struggling. They're all going to and it's all going to come out. I feel like there's going to be an episode where they all just have a major breakdown because none of them have been sleeping um, or none of them have been sleeping well. Spoilers, there is an episode coming up soon called Fallout and it's basically just them like arguing for 20 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Which, yeah, who can blame them? It's kind of, it sounds like it was needed therapeutically just for them to just scream at each other because they're in this I mean the sitcom's weird I think their arrangement is weird like I just think Mm -hmm. I will say it now there's two seven is too many of anything yeah and it's very telling I can't think of any maybe who was it was it blazing squad who had like nine yeah something like that the only ones I can think of that where you just go this just I don't even know who they are anymore and yeah, I, and you just think nobody's making when it's split between seven ways plus Kim Fuller's money and Simon Fuller's money. No wonder they've kind of semi reformed as S Club Three to try yeah. and recoup some some funds. Yeah, nobody made any money from this apart from the Fullers. I think. Oh, <laughs> and um, my sort of semi favorite bit was the weird bloopers reel at yeah. the end. Which kind of confirmed, which I suspected, which is they're not they're not the greatest actors, and it was probably a long day on set for everyone because people didn't sort of kind of got confused with their lines. My favourite bit is um, Bradley goes to do something with the burger, I think, and it's already been bitten into. Yeah, like they just didn't. It's disgusting. Like they didn't just get them a new burger. Maybe they just got them out of a bin outside or something. Yeah. It was really like, you realise the glamour of filming is not what you expect it to be. It's just disgusting half-eaten burgers that you've got to pretend to bite into. Yeah, 100%. So before we finish, where can people find you on Twitter and is there anything in particular that you'd like to plug? <laughs> um, so I am on at Braintree underscore on Twitter. Um, usually, as you said in your intro, I am a theatre blogger, but we are still in sort of weird semi-lockdown. So there isn't actually much theatre for me to review. But you can find me when theatre comes back on 
viewfromthecheapseat.com. And if you're a fan of buffets, you can also find me on buffetbitch.com, which is my kind of aborted attempt to review my buffets. But what ends up happening is I go to a buffet, I eat food, and then I get too tired to write anything. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's an S-Pod Thing. It was edited by Alex Blondek with music by William Kitchener. If you enjoyed the podcast and want to let us know that we're your number one, please subscribe and leave us a good review. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.